0: You're listening to Adam Carricker on The Ticket on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.
1: Boom. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Adam Carricker on The Ticket. It is time for the People's segment. Your questions, your comments, your concerns. All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you missed the interview I just did with Chris Kelsey, Feel free to check it out anytime on YouTube and anywhere 93.7, the ticket puts out their Awesome content. All right. Send your questions, your comments, your concerns. You got a few minutes here. We've got three on the docket. But if you want to take this last chance to get your questions, comments, concerns, 402-464-5685. Check out gelandscapesupply.com for all your landscape supply needs. Also, Carriker Chronicles. Dot .com and everything 93.7 the ticket related as well check them out on Facebook Twitter and the YouTube all right ladies and gentlemen let's get to your questions hey adam with satterfield being on the sideline instead of the box help the offense specifically the quarterbacks now nebraska's quarterback coach okay is the same guy as the offensive coordinator, Marcus Satterfield. The same type of role that he had at South Carolina under Shane Beamer at his at his other previous stops as well. Now, the question is about him being on the sideline versus in the box. So normally head coaches, D coordinators, offensive coordinators are on the sideline so that they can gather a unit so they can pull a player aside so they can they can interact with you face to face and talk to you. So there's that there's that personal relational thing. In the box, you've obviously got the advantage of being able to see the whole field, it's easier to see what's going on if you're the offensive coordinator, quarterbacks, coach, see what the defense is doing. But I've always thought it was kind of more important okay, to be able to talk directly to a player, to pull all the wide receivers together, to pull all the offensive linemen together, whatever the case may be. Now I can honestly tell you, I never once as a defensive lineman had my D line coach in the box, but let's be honest. The offensive line typically isn't doing anything fancy. It's typically zone, pass, power, counter, maybe a little bit of trap is about as fancy as it gets. So you're not worried so much about the X's and O's with the defensive line as you are if you're calling the entire offense, you're coaching the quarterbacks. So typically what happens is offensive coordinators, for example, are on the field, and then maybe you've got the quarterback's coach up in the box, or you've got another position coach up in the box, and then he's relaying everything that he's seeing, or maybe you've got somebody else on the staff that's in the box okay, the press box, relaying what they see so the coordinator can talk directly to the players. But Satterfield, he's been on the field, he's been in the box so far this year. I think the only issue that I see really with Satterfield, other than what I just laid out, being at times in the box versus on the field is he's also the quarterback's coach. If you you are directing the offense or you're coaching the quarterbacks, you've either got to have your OC right there on the field because the quarterback position is as much mental as it is anything else. The two positions on a football team that have to have the shortest memory are the quarterback and the cornerback. You've got to be able to talk directly face-to-face with the quarterback. So that's my only hesitation. I'm not even saying it's right or wrong. That's just my hesitation if you're the quarterback's coach and the offensive coordinator and you're not on the field because you got to be able to calm a quarterback down. you got to be able to fire him up. you got to be able to do whatever is necessary, which is why I think you see Matt Rule talking to the quarterbacks an awful lot. Because if Satterfield's in the box, he's not able to do that. So that's my only hesitation with it. All right. Is the three-game suspension for Jim Harbaugh enough, Thomas and Lincoln? Here's what's not enough. They haven't done enough research, enough recon. They don't have enough information. They handed down a suspension to try to appease the the angry mob. But they don't have the information. There's also other schools that are guilty as well. Are they not going to get some sort of suspension at some point? Basically, I think they set a, a scary precedent. Okay, I do believe that that suspensions or penalties or whatever should be handed out, but they've readily admitted they don't have all the information, so how can you hand out anything? They're trying to get something done this year, which I get. I understand, okay, and frankly, I hope if Nebraska doesn't make the Big Ten title game because the odds are against it, not completely out of it, I hope hope, uh, Michigan wins out. They beat Penn State on the road. I hope they beat Maryland this weekend. And I hope to beat Ohio State win the Big t- And all with, all with Harbaugh, not on the field. Because then it starts to lift that. I don't like whenever there's doubt or whenever, like, I want the national champion to be the national champion. And if Michigan's the best team in the Big Ten, I want them to be the best team in the Big Ten. I want them to win the CFP if that's them. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger,
0: McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time.
1: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I don't like doubt. I like it to be clear cut. And so for me, they needed to get more information. The silver lining in this is if Michigan does win against two top 10 teams when they played them, one on the road and one is the game, I guess, against the Ohio State, I guess. And if they do it without Harbaugh, that removes a little bit of that doubt. To answer your specific question, they shouldn't have done anything because they don't have the necessary information because do they add more? Do they punish somebody else? It's just it's we're trying to appeal the pitchfork mob mentality, and that's a dangerous precedent to set, in my opinion. All right. We got one more question here. Who is the best player on the black shirt defense? So when I read that, that question, my initial response is what Chris said. Chris Kelsey. I thought he made a great point when I asked him about the D line. All the units work together. Okay. If if, like, for example, if the defensive line is getting to the quarterback quicker, sooner rather than later, that's less time the DBs have to cover. At the same time, if the DVs are covering really, really well, that gives the D-line more time to get to the quarterback. You know why Tom Brady and Peyton Manning were so nauseating to play against? They never had good offensive lines. Never. Okay. Edward James, Marvin Harrison, all these guys that, that Peyton Manning played with over the years, you never hear an offensive lineman named. Do you know why? Because his offensive lines generally weren't good. Anytime we played the Patriots, they had one good offensive guard. I forget his name, but he was an all-pro, Pro Bowl type guy year after year. Other than that, Logan Mankins. I think he played at Fresno State in college. Other than that, they never had good good offensive lines because this, this sounds weird because I preach about the trenches all the time. But Tom Brady and Peyton Manning are their own unique animals, we all know. They got rid of the ball so quick, so I could beat the guard. Bam, quick as a whistle, and the ball would be gone. And it was nauseatingly frustrating as a defensive lineman. Okay, so my point is, it really wasn't on our secondary not playing well. It's the fact that it was Tom Brady and Peyton freaking Manning and their all-time greats. But my point is, is it works together. The longer the DBs cover, the more time the D line has to get to the quarterback, and vice versa, with the D line rushing the quarterback and making the DB's life easier. Now, to answer your question specifically, all right, it's interesting because there were some players that popped into my head. All right, Isaac Gifford popped into my head immediately. Okay, I'm not saying he is the best, but he's a guy that popped into my head and he leads Nebraska, all right, with 67 total tackles. Actually, far and away. Number two is Omar Brown with 46 total tackles. He leads them with 33 solo tackles as well. So Isaac Giffords, you know, he's one of the better players this year. Malcolm Hartzog, maybe one of our better cover players as well. Okay, I believe he he leads the team in pass breakups. I'd have to double check that. All right, Nash Hutmaker pops into my head. A nose guard with four sacks is insane in any defense. Four three three four, three three five 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 twenty two. Like a nose guard with four sacks is crazy. All right, Ty Robinson is having a a dominant year, and he's got one sack. So, and and that that is a compliment to Ty Robinson that, that he's having a dominant year. I'm just saying Nash Hutmaker, nose guard, having four is crazy. I think a guy that's kind of flown under the radar and he actually leads Nebraska with four and a half sacks is Jamari Butler. Okay, somehow he's like flying under the radar a little bit. So I think Nash Hutmaker, Ty Robinson pop into my head, Isaac Gifford, Malcolm Hartzog. Uh, Luke Reimer is a guy who's been banged up, but when he's on the field, he's highly productive. Nick Henrich has been one of these guys. It's kind of been a mystery to me. You know, he didn't get a black shirt initially. I think he, I'd have to go back and double check. It's been a while since I've looked at the list. I think he got one of the single digit numbers and I, it's been an interesting year for him, but he's a solid football player. So there's a lot of guys that you, you can throw into that conversation. Do you go by sacks? Do you go by coverage? Do you go by, you know, leading the team in tackles again? I listed a guy, uh, uh, two guys on the first level, Ty and Nash. I listed listed like two or three guys on the second level. Okay, the defense, the linebackers, and then uh, some guys on the third level, the DBs and safeties. So there's guys – I'm not going to give a specific name because it all works together, but those are the guys who stood out the most to me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoy the rest of your Friday, and I hope it is a phenomenal Saturday throughout the state of nebraska because that means the huskers won until next time go big red and always remember
0: everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich